Listener supported. WNYC Studios. The Jazz Loft Radio Series is funded in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities and by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Photographer W. Eugene Smith loved music. He always said he could even pinpoint the moment that he discovered his affinity for music. It was in 1939, after he'd fallen madly in love with a flamenco dancer named Marissa. Later, he even began to believe that listening to nonstop radio while working in his darkroom was actually improving his photographic work. And maybe it was. By the time Smith moved into a loft building in New York's Flower District in 1957, he was a devotee of all things audible. Radio, recorded music, spoken word, plays, poetry, and everything, in fact, that one could hear in the five-story building that came to be known as the Jazz Loft. So as he photographed the life in and around the loft, Smith also ran tape recorders compulsively for most of the years he lived there and stacked the recorded tapes in any corner of the building he could find. He died in 1978, and about 20 years after that, author Sam Stevenson, doing research on Smith at the Center for Creative Photography, found hundreds of quarter-inch tape boxes stacked in a corner of the archive. None of them had been opened since Smith's death. They'd been there for over 20 years, and no one had ever heard them. And I noticed names on the reels, and I noted 139 different names of jazz musicians that I recognized, Thelonious Monk and Roland Kirk and Paul Blay and Zoot Sims and Bill Evans and Chick Corea and icons like that. After decades in boxes, many of the Jazz Loft tapes sounded remarkably good. And as the tapes were opened, restored, and digitized, there was this one particular tape that gave all who heard it a hair-raising chill. It turned out that Thelonious Monk had spent a few weeks rehearsing in the loft in preparation for his town hall orchestra concert of February 1959. Smith's tapes captured Monk walking in circles, talking to his collaborator. You just hear him over and over talking to Hall Overton about, you know, just learn one tune a day and working it one at a time. You can hear them doing it. You can hear them just going through Monk's music. Smith taped all those rehearsals, three solid weeks' worth. So, big events and small everyday ones, too. A sound picture of a New York inside place with a loud front door. Famously creaky steps and a freewheeling spirit, which is how the people who hung out there remember it. People like Jimmy Stevenson, the late guitarist Jim Hall, and composer David Amram. I'd heard about it from the different musicians because all of us, I came to New York in 1955, had a kind of a wonderful underground community where the catchword is, where's the session? Somebody said, you know, a bunch of us are going to go over to uh, 
this painter's loft on 6th Avenue after work. Would you like to come along? Probably something very casual like that. And no one said, let's be spontaneous. It was just something that was in the air, and jazz reinforced that spontaneous feeling and that daring and that virtuosity in everyone. We were just in the moment we were playing our music. It was just insanely exciting times. It was Dave Young who actually took me there. It had been a gregarious, jazz-loving painter, David X. Young, who had first moved into the place in the mid-50s. He'd been looking for a cheap place to paint. This place was cheap, all right. $40 a month, barely any electricity or water, in New York's Flower District in the 20s along 6th Avenue. Bass player Bill Crow, among many musicians, befriended Young. He got a piano up there, and we were welcome to come and play. Zoot Sims and Bob Brookmeyer and Dick Katz. All the famous players of the day stopped by, as the late vibes player Teddy Charles told it. Of course, Bird. When Bird came up there, it was like a visit from God, you know. Later, people like Hall Overton and Gene Smith took space in the building. Pat Smith, one of Smith's children, visited the loft many times as his estranged father became entrenched there. He kept renting more and more floors and stored more and more stuff. It's kind of a wonder the whole place didn't collapse. I just remember, you know, there's one overpowering image, which is I walked into this room, and this room was wall-to-wall, you know, it was four walls of photographs. Composer Steve Reich visited the loft weekly for lessons with Hall Overton. Into those photographs were stuck other photographs, which were kind of like leaning, you know, and then behind them were other sort of stuff. So the whole room was kind of this leaning series of photographs. I was about to fall and engulf you. Lofts were still an underground way of life. You weren't supposed to live in them, but they did. And they were basically mills or workplaces that had either been abandoned or were kind of left to people to renovate on the sly, and artists of different kinds would sneak in there to live. They had to have plywood boxes that they put over top of their mattresses to hide the fact that they were sleeping there because the cops would come over and write them you know, some sort of citation. It was what we called a funky place. Pianist and composer Dave Frischberg. Funky now has become a term of uh, enthusiastic uh, approval, but in those days funky meant messy, dirty, and smelly. It wasn't the place that said center of the arts. I mean, <laughs> You just had to know that there was this building and that there were these people there. Now, of course, that's a whole tremendously fancy part of New York. But at the time, it didn't have any name of Soho or Tribeca or anything of that sort. Smith felt right at home there. He started recording in about 1957. He began with the idea of recording his cats. Lots of cats. I don't know how many cats he had. I couldn't even guess. There were cats everywhere. He recorded the television and radio programs he had on daily in the loft as he was working, printing in his dark room. Uh, too sanguine about the prospects of fallout shelters, since fallout is only one Always, of the... we completely agree about fallout shelters. Incidentally, has Dresden been rebuilt? Which yes. tell us Most a lot no, about no, the obsessions of the time, the post-World like War II, late uh, 50s, early 60s. In one room and another, musicians gathered for jam sessions. 
he take those too, observed his former assistant and colleague, the late photographer Harold Feinstein. Gene Smith uh, not simply turned his tape recorder on, but he practically wired the whole loft upstairs and downstairs so that he could tape everything. So this was a project of his, or he was an extraordinary voyeur, or both. Yeah, probably both. Taping everything could mean goofy, dramatic readings they did at the loft. Pantagruel seemed less interested in this theory than in the observation. Daily, maybe even boring conversations. Then we had to speed it all up because he said he had a taxi waiting downstairs, not much money, so I tried to. Yes, even phone calls. Hello? Bill? Yeah. Gene Smith? Yeah, Gene. Hi, how are you? You have your ears? Yeah. In what? That might be interesting. All this at a time when, as bass player and loft regular Steve Swallow recalls, it was a rather odd thing to be doing. The machines were still fairly primitive. It wasn't that far from the days of wire recorders, and the people didn't commonly have tape recorders at that time. So it was a kind of innovative and exciting venture that he was involved in. It's not clear whether anyone had ever recorded this much tape in one place over a period of this many years. So it contains messages for listeners, musical and otherwise. What were people talking about? What were the conversations about? What could you hear out of the window? It gave us a sense of what it was like to live in America, in New York City, in this particular neighborhood in Manhattan, in this time period, in a manner that nothing else could. And there is the music. Jam sessions like this one, featuring pianist Sonny Clark. So, we listen to the sounds and stories of a beat-up mid-century New York hangout. This is the Jazz Loft radio series. In the next episode, Images of the Loft. More on the man who took the pictures and made the tapes, W. Eugene Smith and his particular brand of off-kilter charm. He could make his eyes twinkle at will. (laughs) Just trying to uh, persuade people to see his side of doing the story. That's coming up in Episode 2. Thanks to Sam Stevenson and to the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke. For WNYC's Jazz Loft Radio Series, I'm Sarah Fishko. series was funded in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities and by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts.